0: Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Heather, who is a certified nurse midwife here in North Carolina. We're going to be chatting all about how we can use social media to help educate our patients and also as a patient to better educate ourselves as we're navigating our pregnancy and our birth. We're also gonna chat about how we can optimize our time with our provider during our appointments. We don't necessarily wanna spend the limited time that we have with our medical providers talking about childbirth education, but rather we can utilize that time with our providers to talk about our individual medical history so that we can better make decisions for our pregnancy and for our birth, and to also understand how things work in our birth location and whether or not our birth location is a good fit for us. And so we hope you enjoyed this conversation with Heather on how you can use social media to enhance your education as a patient how you can use social media to enhance educating your patients, and then also how we can utilize that time with our providers. We're very passionate at Mama Stay Fit that everyone deserves to have an amazing birth experience, and they deserve to have access to the information that we provide. And so we provide a ton of free content on our social media with our YouTube, Instagram, all of our blogs, so that we can ensure that the information that we share is accessible to all. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal time frame for an empowering pregnancy positive birth and postpartum journey we are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you welcome to the mama safe Hit podcast today we have midwife heather here who's going to be talking to, with us all about how we can use social media to help educate our patients and to provide information that's more accessible to more folks that maybe they don't have time to talk to their OB or their midwife at at their prenatal appointments um, and how we can use social media to help enhance our patients' experience. So thank you so much for being here, Heather. Thanks so much, Gina, for having me. So can you introduce yourself to our
1: listeners? So I'm Heather and I am certified nurse midwife. I have been in women's health for over 20 years now and my passion has always been to educate and to kind of assist people in having the birth that they envision, whether that means from the very beginning or to the end, and as hiccups, you know, little little divots in the road that might pop up, just trying to navigate that and see what that looks like for them. Because you could have a hundred people that are pregnant and do the same time, and their vision of birth looks completely different from one another. And there's that's not a right or wrong. It's just taking what you vision and bringing that to reality.
0: Absolutely, we're we're pretty big advocates where folks can have whatever birth that they're wanting to have. If you want to go and medicate and have an epidural, if you want a C-section, like to give birth vaginally, induced, not induced. Like there's no one best way to give birth, just like there's no one best position to labor or to push in, or no one best comfort technique, because each of us has a different idea of what feels best for us, and depending on our own like risk assessment of where we want to give birth, and so. I think definitely think it's important to provide people the information to then make a decision that works best for them without trying to pressure them in either direction. So I definitely love working at births with you whenever I come up to your hospital as a doula. I mean, I really love the way that you speak to patients. And so I'm really excited to have you on the podcast here with us. Yeah, we've been together for several years now. So it's exciting yeah, to actually be key. able to sit down and do this. So one of the issues that I typically see with giving birth in like a hospital setting or in a clinic that has a higher volume of patients is you don't always have like a ton of time to dedicate to every single patient just based on the volume. And it's not necessarily that your provider doesn't want to have the conversation with you. Like they just can't because there's just there's just too many patients. I don't know if that's true with your guys' clinic, but do you find that to be kind of the overarching trend with folks that are giving birth in like a clinical or hospital setting? Diego, yeah. So I think ultimately, you know, the downside is, unfortunately,
1: OB is a business, right? And so there's a volume that has to has to be met because there's just a large amount of people that are having babies. And truly, there's not a lot of midwifery services, right? And even if you were choosing to have an obstetrician, that can still be difficult to have enough people to support everybody that has all their needs that need to be met. And so I think, you know, just people taking the time to advocate for themselves and to investigate birth. One of the most important things that I'll tell people when they're getting ready to have a baby or even become pregnant is see what normal birth looks like. See what a normal pregnancy looks like. If you are going to do some reading and do some investigating online, see what that looks like because so many people have no idea what a normal birth labor process looks like. And Number one, it's a lot less scary if you know what labor looks like, if you know about how long labor typically lasts, and if you know what even transition or the different sensations, if you can see those things and read about those things, it helps immensely in directing your search and kind of formulating a plan of what you want things to look like. And because there's so many visits, and so little time for each one. I think sometimes people will feel rushed at their OB prenatal visits. When you're doing that background work for those things, it helps kind of direct your questions and what your focus should be so that you can start to articulate that with your OB provider while you're pregnant. It kind of sets the stage. It sets the tone for what you are desiring for your labor and for your birth, but also it gives them an idea of what you're anticipating too. I know, like on my end, if I have someone that's really wanting to have as little intervention and is wanting to have an unmedicated birth, it is super important to start doing some some reading and some viewing on what not only birth looks like, but how you can prepare your body for this and what resources you have. I'm always talking to people about a doula because I feel like they're, they're just so invaluable, right? and One of the worst things I feel like people can do is hire a doula and then never talk to them again until it's time for their birth. I think as a general rule, most doulas are wanting to be engaging, which is so important because you, that's your person, right? Like that's your person to advocate and to give you some baby steps along the way to support you. And people, I think sometimes get scared of labor and they get scared of birth. And if they don't have that support person, whether it be their partner who may have never gone through birth before either, but just someone that can reassure that person that this is normal and let's try this or let's try A or B or C. You know, you've done these things because it's very difficult for people to think and to process when they're in pain and when they are focused. And it's important to have that other person there. And so it's a whole collective, it's a whole collective team when we're looking at the entire pregnancy, labor and birth process.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's also hard when you have these like limited appointments, because I, I know for me during my pregnancy, during the first trimester, I think my first appointment is almost at the end of the first trimester. I don't, yeah. I don't know if we're trying to like weed out people at that point or it's just like volume of patients like we can't see them any earlier than that. And I think the earliest appointment I ever had was like 11 weeks during my pregnancy, even for like my home birth provider, because she can't hear anything before that with uh, with the fetal Doppler. And from there, it was like once a month throughout my pregnancy. And then towards the end, it was a little bit more frequent. But even that frequency, like if I'm relying on my provider to give me childbirth education, one, it might be inconsistent from provider to provider if there's multiple providers within a clinic. Maybe you can see the same midwife or OB like every single appointment, but likely you're going to have to see other providers. And then you don't even know who's going to be there at the birth. But relying on them to provide childbirth education and to give you all of the information about what to expect for birth is kind of a big ask when there's already a lot of other things that they're needing to do during the appointment and if you had any specific questions about your birth location or hey what could I expect if I get if I get induced like those are the kinds of questions that I would recommend somebody asking specifically their provider at their appointment if they're trying to gather information because like you can take an online childbirth education course or an in-person childbirth education course or hire a doula to kind of go over like the more general information so that you have all the background. And then you can spend that time in your appointment asking specifics. So, hey, if I have a C-section, what can I expect it to look like in this birth location? What reasons do you call C-sections? What reasons could I expect you to recommend an episiotomy or to recommend this type of intervention? Because that's going to be birth location specific. Is there any... Like other specific things that you would recommend, like somebody kind of saving to ask their provider at these appointments as opposed to trying to get more generalized information, like from an online course or an in-person course? Yeah, I think one of the things is, and midwives specifically focus on
1: this, is the individual person. So what do you see in my history that may may put me at high risk? What do you feel like is a typical appropriate time in your practice for how long you'll let me go past my due date. And I say that tongue in cheek, let me, right? Because part of that is each office, each practice has their own set of standard of care or guideline. But when we're looking at the whole person, there may be something that says, well, because of your history with A, B, and C, our recommendation may be you know, to have an induction or we just continue to watch your birth. In your pre- excuse me, your pregnancy has been super normal, and so you know, ideally, we want you to have a baby by 42 weeks. Part of its hospital privileges, you know, for where I am, hospital privileges um, extend to me to 42 weeks, and so I'm under that kind of sort of constraint. But we also need to review like the risks versus benefits of extending a pregnancy past 42 weeks. What do you see in my specific pregnancy right now that might be an issue for labor? What types of pain management options are available at your hospital? What are some reasons that you might see I need to be induced? I think a a big one is is what is your philosophy of birth, right? So we have a large midwifery practice where I am and we all have very different personalities, but we all kind of practice very similar, right? Like it's kind of a hands-off approach A lot of times your body knows what it's supposed to do, but we're right there. You know, if it starts to kind of take a detour and then once we bypass that detour, we try to get you back on the track. I feel like a lot of times your insurance is is paying us to give you that medical information and to give you that support so that you're making those informed decisions. Another thing is, is that C-section rates, C-section rates within a state or within a town across the country, even vary so much. Right. You can have some states that have a super low C-section rate and some states have a super high C-section rate. And so a general idea of what the practice that you're going to, what their C-section rate is, is, is kind of helpful. And of course, that's going to vary even month by month when they're taking their statistics. But ask those questions. You know, those, those are the important things that people are looking at. Insurance is definitely a barrier because You may want to go to a different practice, but there may not be the availability and your insurance kind of dictates where you can go. And so setting up that team, even when you get that information is super important. Of course, you know, doulas can sometimes be cost prohibitive too, but it's an investment. And if it's not financially feasible, having somebody that is familiar with birth even to be a part of your team is incredibly helpful.
0: Or even just to have like a a third person I find to be really beneficial, even if they're not like super familiar with birth, like having a sister or your mom or like a really close friend, because it's a lot for one person to provide all of that support all by themselves, especially if you're having an unmedicated birth. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the
1: birth process, when someone's in labor, it is, it is like a fine waltz, right? Like you and I have experienced that together. You have somebody that is, monitoring the medical aspects of your birth, right? And as long as those things are going great, most of the time it can be hands off. You have somebody that is providing the emotional support, which a lot of times is the partner and a doula as well, right, because you have that connection where they're focusing on what you might be feeling and a doula especially maybe anticipating what that next step is. And then you can have somebody else where the partner is focusing on the intimate aspect of it, too. So it, it really is, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful waltz when it comes together because
0: everybody just knows their part. And it's a wonderful collaborative relationship. I definitely enjoy working at your all's hospital in comparison to some other ones in our area. Because I i feel like the the nurses or the midwives like value all the different members of the team. And we all understand that we all have different roles. And we're all like ultimately supporting this person that's giving birth. And like, I love it when I'm there and the nurses are like, hey, like we're seeing this pattern from our side on the medical, like what recommendations for movements do you have? Because we know this is your expertise as a doula. And so it's this really nice balance of like, hey, this is what I'm seeing as a doula. Like, or what are you guys seeing? And how can we kind of combine the information that we're gathering from these different lenses?" to ensure that we're providing the best support to the person that's giving birth and to ensure that them and their baby are staying safe. And so it's, it's definitely, it makes a huge difference when everyone on the team is like working together, as opposed to feeling like they need to demonstrate that they're better in some way or to be dismissive of somebody else on the team. Because I'll see that from doulas that are like very dismissive of the medical team. And then I'll see it from medical providers that are very dismissive of the doulas role on the team. And it's like, we're all on the same team. <laughs> like, uh, Well, let's try to remember that. Ultimately, we're here to support this person that's giving birth. And so I, I love being at your guys' hospital because I, I, I know that that collaborative effort is there. And I think it makes a huge difference for the patient. Absolutely. They could pick
1: up on that energy, right? If there's tension in the room, that can affect their labor, too. And, and that's the downside of things is, you know, you, you have these people. It's not a power struggle. Ultimately, everybody goes into this field because they want to support people giving birth.
0: So if somebody is attending their appointments with their provider, and they maybe have like 15 to 20 minutes, like good questions that they could ask or related to their individual medical history, like what about me as an individual could relate to something that, like a decision that maybe needs to be made during my birth or during my pregnancy. And so asking those specific questions and their own medical history can be really important and a good use of that time. In addition to better understanding, what are the special things about this birth location? What special options do I have? Like, what can I expect at your birth location? And what's the general birth vibe at this hospital? And does it kind of match the vibe that I'm looking for? And so I think that those are like really good things to like kind of emphasize at our appointments because it gives us that individualized care. And now we have this option to provide like more general education with like, paid courses but also for free with social media which I think is like I think I've seen it more with like the emergence of TikTok and then I see it kind of spreading over to Instagram as well where lots of folks with like really like wonderful expertise are just kind of freely sharing their information and I, I find that I can learn a lot of really cool like random facts about like space and like, who, like whatever it is that I'm curious about, I can look it up on TikTok and some like astrophysicist is going to explain it to me in a really simple way. And I've definitely found that to be something that also applies to birth, where we can learn a lot of really cool things about comfort measures or birth options or like what to expect when you're in labor, like all from social media for free. And like people are just giving their information and their expertise How have you found social media to be beneficial for you to like help educate patients on like a larger scale, like as a midwife? Thanks for asking that. That's a great question. You're right. I have seen a lot of
1: information on social media, some of it great, some of it bad. I realize within me, I just want to help everyone. But I realize also that people don't have the same access to information and same access to care throughout the country. And so when we focus on the evidence, what does the evidence say? What does the data say and how can we individualize that to the person? I started using uh, social media a few years ago when the pandemic happened, right? Because it was a really scary time for people giving birth. There were a lot of unknowns, people wearing masks and gowns, and there was a lot of hands off, but not in a good way with healthcare providers. And there was a lot of fear of going into a hospital and getting sick, getting sick with COVID because we knew so little about it at that time. And so for me, when I started utilizing social media, it was a great opportunity to provide education because childbirth classes have basically shut down at that point, giving an insight of what hospital birth would look like because that's my focus, just focusing on giving good quality information regardless of someone's ability to pay you know, for some paid courses, being able to pay for services, childbirth classes because everything had been shut down, and just continuing through that theme. We also know that there can be a huge discrepancy on how providers practice, unfortunately. Some people just really aren't up to date on the evidence and birth is not cookie cutter, right? We always say it's, it's not black and white. There's a huge span of gray. There's, there are some things that are very black and white and we give those recommendations. But I think when you're educating and you're giving options and you're reviewing the information so that people can make informed decisions, there becomes this level of trust where if there's a strong opinion where something may be dangerous that someone is choosing to do, we can say, okay, if that's your choice, that's okay. This may lead to this decision or this may lead to this outcome. Are you okay with that? But also in in true emergencies where, you know, there has been that mutual trust and decision-making and and discussion, I feel like a lot of times people are able to distinguish the urgency in what decision is that they're making. The thing I tell people when they're, when they're looking at social media, it is a free resource and it is incredible, right? Because truly time is an issue when you're seeing your provider. Think of it as an opportunity to see a vision of what you want your pregnancy and your birth to look like. Also write some things down. You know, if there are topics that you may want to incorporate into a birth plan, you know, what do you want your ambiance to look like? How do you want to set the mood when you're in labor? When do you want to come to the hospital? or the birth center, or if you're having a home birth, when do you plan to change positions throughout things? Are you planning anything for pain? Do you want to do immediate skin to skin? Do you want delayed cord clamping? A lot of those things, in my opinion, should be standards, right? Movement is so important in labor. The pelvis, the baby, it's like a game, right? And so those things, you have to have movement continuously throughout labor and throughout the birth process to be able to get those things to work. Pain management options. Look at those social media posts and videos and see what you want to incorporate into your birth. Make a list of those things and then start reading and watching videos on those things. The downside of social media is there's a lot of misinformation and there's a lot of personal experience, which can be valuable, but it's the way I feel some people present that information as as the end all be all. And again, that's just as dangerous as the provider that's unwilling to bend to provide individualized care. So see it as an opportunity to gain information and not as the end-all be-all when you're looking at um, your birth experience.
0: I think when I'm looking at social media, the, the key things that I look for with whether or not a page is one that I should be following is, do they make me more scared of birth do they make me scared of my provider like do i feel like more afraid because of them or do i feel more informed like i have more information than make better decisions for myself so it's kind of like what kind of feeling am i i'm getting from this because i think on one hand it is important to be to have folks that are very passionate about showing the injustices that happen during birth and obstetrical violence and all those things like that stuff needs to be called out But like it could be done in a way that's not terrifying because the majority of people are going to give birth in a hospital and the majority of people will probably have like an OB that provides care for them. And so if we're painting this picture that every OB is evil and outdated and going to hurt you, like it's going to make a lot of people very fearful when they go into their labor, as opposed to helping somebody understand like, hey, these are the signs that maybe your provider is is not going to be provided the type of care that you're wanting and these are some signs that you might want to switch to a different provider so instead of painting like every OB is evil like so that's kind of like what I look for when I'm looking at specifically birth pages is are they making someone feel afraid of like a certain option to then kind of coerce them to choose what they think is the best option for birth or do I like look at the page and feel, I feel more informed about some options that I have. I have some questions now that maybe I can go and ask my provider about, or I can do some more research, or maybe I could then invest in a course or read some blogs. Like there's so many like wonderful resources out there, but that's usually like the first thing that I would recommend is, do you feel afraid <laughs> Listen, like, watching their page? Or do you feel more informed? Um, it's kind of like, my like initial like vibe check. (laughs) Absolutely, and that same thought process
1: can be applied to your OB provider, right? Like if you're looking at those aspects that you want of your birth, you could actually spin it back onto your birth provider and say, what are your thoughts on delayed cord clamping? What is your episiotomy rate? How do you feel about birthing in different positions? You can get a lot of information on your birth provider's view of birth just by asking those simple questions. And you can see, is this the vision that I see from my birth with this provider? And again, it goes back to insurance, right? Sometimes you're limited, but those are key things that you can kind of get that information from and say, do I feel empowered going into this or do I feel a little more scared and do I need to do a little more research and reading into maybe finding a different provider or how I can have someone there to advocate for me? And what does the research and the data actually say? And when I talk about research and data, it's not off of TikTok and Instagram. It can be. It can be depending on who your source is from, but credible sources, ACOG, ACNM, AJOGN, which is the literature for obstetrics. So all of those are credible resources. The CDC, you can get
0: tons of information when you're making your decisions um, just based off of credible sources. I always find research studies to be something that does take a little bit of an art to understand how to read Because you could definitely find a study that supports any point of view that you have. And so one of the things that like the key things that I'll look for when I'm looking at like a research study, if I'm try to use it to help me make a decision on my own birth or something going on in my life is first, like how many people are in this study? Is it 10 people? Is it like 10,000 people? Like how big is the study? And then how is the study conducted? So was it a randomized control trial? Is this like looking at like a whole like literature research, like, so I'm looking at like, how was the study taken? Like questionnaires I find to not be very helpful for me personally. Um, but it's really helpful when we're looking at those, those studies because everyone has access to Scholar Google, which I think is a great resource if you're trying to find just information on whatever it is is, just scholar.google.com, just type in like perinatal, whatever birth thing that you're looking for, and there's going to be hundreds of articles. And then look to see which one, how long ago was it studied, how many people were in it, and how was the study, what methods do they use to gather the information. And then you can also look at those studies that kind of like look at a whole bunch of different research papers to see, do they view this to be quality? Like what level of quality do they find this evidence to be? Um, Evidence-based births is another resource that I like to use if I'm looking for like birth specific like research, because I find that they do a really good job of kind of helping me understand like what's a low versus moderate and high quality evidence. But you could definitely find a research study to support any point of view that you have, but like looking to understand okay, is this a good study to get information from? Can be, is, I find to be very beneficial. Not only for just the birth experience, but truly for the pregnancy. You
1: know, my goal would be is that more people would start doing some of this stuff prior to pregnancy. Unfortunately, you know, half of all pregnancies in the United States are unplanned for, But so that, that can't always be the case. But if you're planning a pregnancy, the best time to start prepping for all of this is before you're even pregnant, right? Focusing on nutrition, focusing on movement, exercise, any um, medications that might need to be adjusted prior to pregnancy. It is all one big package that really needs to
0: have a focus for it. Let's take a break from this episode to chat about one of our sponsors, Needed. Needed is a perinatal nutrition company that provides optimal nourishment for the perinatal time frame. And so they're providing a lot of supplements that help you support pre-pregnancy, during your pregnancy, even postpartum. And they even have a men's line as well. Rox and I have both used Needed throughout our pregnancies. I use it pre-conception. We both have used it postpartum. And so we personally use their products and we wholly trust them. Needed has this really cool option for you throughout your pregnancy if you're trying to figure out the best way to support your nourishment throughout your entire pregnancy where they have these trimester bundles. So instead of having to scan through their whole website to figure out what stuff that you want, they have a bundle where they recommend, this is what most people need during their first trimester, this is what most folks need during their second and then their third. And so it's an easy way to get all the things that you need based on research and formulations that they've developed with different practitioners. In addition to doing tons of research to ensure that they're providing the best quality product for you throughout your pregnancy, they're also third-party tested so they have another source that is looking at the quality of their products and they're really transparent with the results of those tests so you can always request them to look at them so that you could understand why Roxanne and I trust Needed so much to support us during our pre-consumption, our pregnancy, and our postpartum. If you're interested in trying out Needed, you can use code MOMASDAYPOD to get 20% off your first order or three months of subscription and you can subscribe to the Trimester bundle so you can get exactly Exactly what you need for your first, second, and third trimester. Are there any like specific social media posts that you find to be like really well-received by your audience that you're like, this is the type of information that my patients are really wanting more information on? Like, Is there anything specific for you that you're noticing a trend for? Yeah, I think a lot of it still focuses on the actual birth experience. There's a lot of
1: unknown when it comes to birth, especially for people that haven't had a baby before. I think our society as a whole likes to sensationalize trauma. And a lot of birth is special, but uneventful, right? And that's that's a good thing to have, an uneventful birth where things are just going the way they're supposed to be. You know, you have a great labor curve, you feel the urge to push, you're moving, and there's just not a lot of intervention. Those are the greatest births. I mean, it's just it's just the way mother nature really intended them to be. Unfortunately, a lot of people have this fear going into birth because they've, you know, their second cousin or their aunt or whoever has told them the traumatic birth that that they had. And I just don't feel like those serve a purpose. I use the analogy a lot, your insurance is paying me to give you the information. There's a thousand different things that can happen in birth, but we don't need to review all thousand things that can happen. We take you and where you are, and we just kind of proceed with where you are. And if things start to kind of detour, just know that everything is normal, right, until things aren't normal. And we are, we're picking up on those subtleties before that. So I think a lot of times people are looking for more information about the birth process and just reassurance. We just need reassurance that a lot of things are normal.
0: That's the trend for us as well with our social media, that the, our top posts are things about pushing preventing tearing, labor positions. And then we've been doing a lot more like birth preparation stuff that has been like on the more popular side, like what exercises can you do during pregnancy to help prepare your body for birth, to help open your pelvis for birth. And we will always get the question like, when should I start these? Like, when should I do X, Y, and Z? And it's always like, well, it kind of depends on you as as an individual, depending on like your own movement capability. Like if you are moving really well and you don't really have like a ton of restrictions, like you don't have to do any of these movements. Like if you have a lot of restrictions and some movement like capability issues, then, you know, we want we might want to start with this like pre-pregnancy or first trimester or second trimester. Like there's no like set timeline with it, but that's uh, the same trend for us. It's It's mostly like the birth stuff that's like our most popular post because I think that's what's most mysterious to a lot of folks is like, what do I what do I do during my labor? And I think there's so much like fear and mystery surrounding birth. Like for me growing up, I was like, birth is going to be the most traumatizing and painful and horrible experience of my life. Um, And it it wasn't that. It was a wonderful experience. I loved it very much. Like maybe not in the exact moment, but reflecting on it, I'm like, this is an empowering and wonderful experience. And I like almost felt like I've been lied to my whole life that this was going to be horrible and traumatizing? Absolutely. But I think the key thing for me, the difference between like my first birth where I would describe it as a more traumatizing experience versus my most recent two was one, I felt more educated on the birth process. I was more educated on what normal was and that birth didn't have to be this horrible traumatizing experience like it can be incredibly empowering so I felt more educated on it I chose a provider that I felt aligned really well with my birth views I had a birth team that I felt like very aligned with what it was that I was looking for in my labor and so whenever I have like a doula client that's trying to figure out who their provider is I'm sending them to you guys because I'm like I already know, and I trust that the birth like environment that you guys are going to provide in your hospital is going to be very supportive of the person that's giving birth and whatever their choices are. So, um, and that for me, that was the biggest difference with my my most recent two births was I had a supportive provider that aligned with my birth views. I had a birth team that surrounded me that everyone was on board with what it was that I wanted to do, um, and I felt more educated on the process and. We can do things, use things like social media to help educate us on what is normal. Like, what is an empowering birth experience? Like, it doesn't all have to be like Aunt Susie's like horrible story about her birth Um, or our next door neighbor, like telling us about how she two holes became one and how it was awful. And it was like, that's that's too much for me. Thank you. And then choosing your birth team. But we can use social media to help educate Ourselves on it. And for me, it's been like a really rewarding thing to be able to provide all of this free information to so many people and to make it accessible to them regardless of finances. And we try to keep our courses on the cheaper side. Like, obviously, they still cost money, but we try to keep them cheaper so that they're more accessible if somebody does want to invest and buy them. And because we feel like everyone deserves this information and everyone deserves to have an empowering birth regardless of where they give birth who they're choosing as their provider, what type of resources they have to, like, can they even hire a doula? Can they do an out-of-hospital a birth? Like, we want to make sure the information is accessible so because ev- everyone deserves to have this really wonderful experience. But, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, 100%. What advice do you have for somebody that is like a birth professional, maybe they're a midwife and they want to use social media to help provide more education for their patients and they just, you know, they just don't have the time to sit with every patient for like three hours for every appointment. Like what, what, what do you recommend to somebody that's wanting to start a social media page to educate patients, but also still remembering that they're not providing medical advice on social media? Yeah, No, I think that that's a great question.
1: If you are bringing it down to the basics, I think it's important to remember we can't on social media go over every individual topic and every scenario of what ifs, right? But when you focus on what is normal and you break each stage of pregnancy and preconception down and then the birth process into what's occurring during these stages and remember what's normal is so helpful because when you don't know, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And so when we're looking at those topics, if I were to be starting a social media page right now from scratch, I would break it down into those basics of preconception, each trimester, the labor phase, the, post, the birth phase, and then the postpartum phase. And I would focus on what's normal for those aspects because information is power, right? And when we're looking off of what information we're gonna give, we're gonna look at the evidence. What does the evidence say about these different topics? Because the more information we're able to articulate in a general form, it can stimulate a thought process for each person that's listening or watching these videos to ask questions with their OB provider and see how that evidence compares and see what their provider's response is with the individualized care that they're receiving.
0: It doesn't have to be fancy. And it doesn't. It does not. If you look at, like, our feed compared to, like, some of these, like, really aesthetically pleasing ones, it's just, it just doesn't look nice. But the info is there. I would also say, like, depending on the the social media platform that you're choosing to use, how you present the information will also be important. Because for those of us that have, like, a lot of expertise, we want to share it all in, like, a single reel, and it's, it's going to get lost in translation. It's going to be too much. And so I find choosing like one singular topic like per post can be really beneficial. So this is what GBS is. This is how we test for GBS. This is like the risk of having or just picking like one topic and then creating a post on it or creating a blog on it or. YouTube, you can get a little bit more in depth because those are long form videos. You can put a lot more information into like YouTube videos. But more on like Instagram and TikTok, I would recommend picking like one, maybe two topics per reel and knowing that it's just going to be bite sized kind of the introduction of the information for someone to then be like, oh, this is a topic that I'm more interested in let me go do some more research on it or and then maybe you have a blog or you have other forms of education for someone to dive deeper into different topics and so for us we have like our instagram page it just kind of introduces information to people we do dive a little bit deeper but as much as you can with instagram And then they can get directed to a blog page that has a lot more information and resources within it. Or they can get directed to our YouTube where we have a longer form video that we can go more in depth on that one topic. And so if somebody wants more, there's more free options for them to continue to explore that specific topic as they kind of formulate what questions do I want to ask my provider relating to this topic at my next appointment. Because this is a topic that's important to me. And then eventually, maybe they decide to buy a course from us or they decide to buy a fitness program, but that's like a far off point for them. There's so much free information for them to gather the information that they need. Because again, everyone deserves to have that empowering, wonderful birth experience, regardless of whether or not they can afford to pay $99 for a childbirth education course or whether or not they can pay $2,000 for a doula or pay out of pocket for a home birth midwife. Having this information be accessible is just so important to you, for everybody, and I think everyone deserves it. I think when someone first finds out that they're pregnant, they are
1: like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. I need to focus on everything that I need to know about pregnancy and how am I going to have a baby, right? I think when people find out that they're pregnant, immediately they're like, how am I going to have a baby? Am I going to have a baby vaginally? What kind of tear am I going to have? There's so much more info that can be obtained where they are at that point that it's just more applicable, it's less stressful, and they can really absorb and enjoy where they are in that point in the pregnancy.
0: Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for one, being an amazing midwife and for being at the hospital that I support births that I truly, truly love whatever you're, the, I mean, I love all the midwives on at your guys' staff. So thank you, one, for being a midwife and supporting so many patients over the past 20 years. And thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. How can our listeners find you and learn more from you on social media or website? Yeah, so I have a couple. I'm on TikTok and
1: Instagram, and my handle is a modern midwife. I'm actually in the middle of finishing my doctorate program, and my focus is actually utilizing social media to decrease perinatal disparities. And so I focus on improving the healthy people 2030 outcomes for perinatal outcomes that are actually worsening or have stayed steady. So I've created a new handle that's gonna be accessible for people. It doesn't really give like a personal life into Heather the midwife. Uh, It focuses really specifically just on pregnancy, labor, birth, and trying to improve those outcomes. So if you're looking for another handle that has just evidence-based information, um, I have another handle that's being started for the continuation of my doctoral degree And that's A Modern Midwife Mama. So two very similar handles. You can go onto one page and then find the other handle if you'd like to. But thank you so much, Gina, for um, having me on your podcast. It's always a pleasure to work with you. You have so much valuable information for people that really focuses on the whole person, not just
0: in labor, but how to actually prep for pregnancy and the labor experience. Thank you for listening to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure you like and subscribe to our channel so you get notified whenever we release new episodes. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. If you're pregnant and you're looking for more support throughout your pregnancy, you can join our childbirth education course where we're giving you all of that information that you need to better understand what is happening during your pregnancy and during your birth so that you can make decisions that best align with your birth views and your birth values. We also offer prenatal fitness programming to help you stay strong, comfortable because pain is not a requirement in pregnancy and also help you prepare for birth. So these are daily workouts that you can do throughout your pregnancy based on our experience of working with in-person prenatal fitness clients and working with different professionals such as Palafor physical therapists, midwives, OBs, other physical therapists to ensure that we're developing the best program for you. If you're postpartum, we have our postpartum education courses with a newly released infant massage and CPR in addition to our postpartum what to expect and newborn care program. And we have our postpartum fitness programs. Our postpartum fitness programs are gonna help you return to fitness after birth so you can feel strong as you navigate motherhood. If you're a professional and you're looking for more support and a ways to earn CEUs from us, you can take our birth worker or our fitness trainer course. You can explore all of our courses on our website at mamastayfit.com and use code STORY10 to get 10% off any of our online courses and fitness programs. This podcast is sponsored by Needed, which is a perinatal nutrition company that provides optimal nourishment for the perinatal timeframe. You can use code pod to get 20% off your first needed order or three months of subscription. You can check them out at thisisneeded.com.